back on Top 25 Voter Pod with John Warder and Chad Conine. Gentlemen, good to see y'all. Good to Absolutely. see you guys. Anytime. I just got back from the driving range on this sunny, sunny, sunny 70 afternoon. Wow, must be, must be tough. <laughs> John and I are in the office. So oh, y'all are both in the office. Indeed. Just have a big party without me. <laughs> Let's jump in. Uh, so Baylor, the men would have probably liked to have clinched their first Big 12 championship at the Farrell Center, but uh, they really could not have put on a much more impressive performance against West Virginia on Tuesday night. Bears win 94-89 to in overtime on the road. Really tough place to play. Uh, that came just nine days after uh, COVID protocol, after the Bears came back from that. So just, you know, Johnny, just how impressive of a game was this for Baylor? I got to say, I wasn't expecting it at all. Uh, you know, like you said, it's a tough place to play. West Virginia had won six of seven games, playing great. And the way Baylor looked against Kansas, they just looked COVID-stricken to me. You know, they uh, didn't have a whole lot of energy. Uh, they shot terribly. They defended terribly. They rebounded terribly. And they fixed a lot of those things, you know, in a, about as key a game as, as you could have. And, uh, you know, they shot over 50% against West Virginia, uh, over 40% from, from the three, and uh, just made some great plays at the end of regulation. Uh, you know, Matthew Meyer – really gave him a huge spark off the bench, 18 points. Jared Butler made a tremendous drive with two seconds left against Derek Culver, just went really strong to the basket to tie it up. And then Davion Mitchell just took over in overtime and, uh, you know, made a bunch of big shots. And uh, it it was highly impressive. Yeah. um, So with that in mind, let me pose this one to Chad, you know, Baylor wins the Big 12, pretty tough basketball conference. We've we've addressed that all year. Um, with Michigan losing, uh, you know, last night as well, um, that was kind of a, a, a shocking score, 76 to 53 to Illinois. Anyway, Baylor doesn't get a number one seed. Chad? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they would have lost last night. I mean, I, I, if they'd have gone on a losing streak and dropped two or three in a row, they might have slipped from a number one seed. But their status, uh, you know, from what they did through the first 17 games of their season or 18 games of their season, whatever it was, kind of cemented them in that spot. They were going to have to do a lot to lose it. Now I don't think they possibly can. Yeah. yeah Meanwhile, I, I, go ahead, John. Yeah, I agree with Chad. Uh, you know, even if they lost their last two games at home against Oklahoma State and Tech, which I don't think they'll lose both. And uh, I think they've got it. And I think that uh, Michigan loss probably kind of sealed it too because Michigan was the hot team and they just got stomped at home. I mean, just obliterated really. And uh, yeah, I think they've got it regardless of what they do the rest of the regular season and the Big 12 tournament. Meanwhile, uh, here in – the college basketball capital of the universe. Uh, the beat goes on for the Lady Bears. Uh, 11. They cranked it up to 11. 
that's the headline I wanted to use, Chad. Uh, but I stuck with your Lady uh, Bears go to eleven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. I, <laughs> yeah, I, of course, I, a reference to uh, the, the greatness that is Spinal Tap. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, so you know, if if the Lady Bears go on and and add a tournament title as they are prone to do, meaning the Big Twelve tournament. Um, I mean, do you feel like they're a lock for a two seed or, or could they still slip in that three line? Well, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've wondered for a long time if they could work their way even into a one seed because of the volatility of the, of the women's game right now this year. There's Kim Mulkey has said many times there's no dominant team and it's hard to, it's hard to argue with her. Now UConn is coming on strong as Paige Becker's kind of settles into her freshman season. She started to do some pretty spectacular things. Um, but I think they're probably in that too, pretty solid. Um, there, there's some teams ahead of them that they're, they're not going to pass more than likely just because of strength of schedule issues. Um, you know, we've talked about it on this podcast before, but Baylor has taken over and just put a stranglehold on the Big 12 to the extent that once strong programs are just not even – competitive with Baylor very often. I mean, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Texas, they don't put up much of a fight very often against Baylor these days. They certainly haven't this year. Um, I, I guess the Texas game the other night was this was a seven-point game by the end, but that was because I think of a 9-0 run at the end of regulation by the Longhorns. So, uh, yeah, and, and you know what? Um, I've got a question for you maybe later in the podcast or maybe right now. I'm, I'm not sure which, but but, uh, you know, they're doing some things that make me maybe make me think they might go to another level here. So the so question is, what's that? Yeah. So the question is, can they okay, win another? So from an NBA fan perspective, mm. you see a lot. And I think James Harden could do this. Um, There's certain guys in the NBA that do this when the team needs a bucket or just as a part of their offense, they, they get the ball, guy the ball at the top of the key and they dare somebody to stop him, and if they bring more than one person over to stop him, he gets rid of the ball, and, and they get a bucket that way. Um, you know, th that's, that's kind of a more of an NBA offense than what you see in college. But the other night when Alyssa Smith takes the ball at the top of the key, and I don't know if you've seen this play or not, and crosses over Charlie Collier and goes to the basket and gets, and gets a layup and an and, and, a, and, an and one and completes a three-point play, that's – that's that kind of a play, and I wonder if that might become part of the Lady Bears, you know, deal. Well, so that's a it's a very interesting question. Um, you know, when the Rockets were doing a lot of that with Harden, uh, they would the critics would would just decry, you know, that as iso ball. You know, it's just iso mm -hmm. ball. And you think back to like the '90s when. Uh, when Doug Collins was coaching the Bulls before Phil Jackson got there, there was a there was a um, press conference where Jordan won the game after, and and they asked Collins what play he ran, and he said, "I ran, get the ball to Michael and get the bleep out of the way." Um, you know, <laughs> uh, but the thing about that is, in the modern game, and certainly in the NBA, it is more. Um, there's more strategy there than you might just realize off the surface. Like when the Rockets were doing it, uh, they would, you know, they'd set a lot of picks and they would 
try to free up mismatches. And, and when they had the mismatch that they wanted, then they would attack that and, and try to expose it. And so, yeah, I think that there is room for that in the Lady Bears repertoire. You know, if Nalissa has those kind of skills, and I think, you know, we, we say she does, uh, why not, you know, get her the ball in one-on-one situations where, you know, she can, she can take somebody off the dribble and, and go score. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it now. You know, whether or not um, the Lady Bears are willing to throw another wrinkle into what they do here late in the season. Um, but, I mean, why not? When she can make plays like that against, you know, the supposed number one draft pick. Well, why don't you send this podcast to Kim and uh, just link this part of it and say, hey, we got a little suggestion for you, Kim. <laughs> That's uh, bcherry at wacotrib.com. <laughs> Uh, so Chad mentioned, you know, former, uh, schools that used to be good when he was talking about the lady bears dominance. Uh, one of those schools that used to be good kind of on the men's side is Kansas. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Jayhawks this year. How about that for a segue? Um, (laughs) but Kansas did pick up a pretty big win over Baylor, uh, last weekend there at Allen Fieldhouse in doing so. Did they draw up the blueprint for how to beat the Bears, you know, as we go on further in March? Yeah, I would maybe say it's a blueprint. Um, You know, they went inside to their big guy, David McCormick. He scored 20 points. He had 14 in the first half. And uh, they kind of slowed it down, made it more of a half-court game. But I think even bigger than that was – uh, they didn't allow Baylor to get into transition very much. Baylor didn't hardly get any steals. Uh, they hardly got any fast breaks going. And I think that might have hurt them even more, you know, th- than the big man inside. But, but yeah, Baylor's, you know, uh, probably their weakness would probably be, you know, having a big guy inside who can score. Uh, I, I think uh, Flo Thamba and Jonathan, Jonathan Chama Chachua can both defend well. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, that, that's probably a way you have a chance to beat Baylor. They're more of rim runners on offense. Yeah. They, they don't have a lot of, you know, offensive moves, I guess I would say. <clears throat> um, God, I had one more question I was going to ask, and it's sort of – Well, let me chime in on that one. Okay. On that last question for a second. You know, Baylor got back into its groove by hitting 13 three-pointers against West Virginia. and. The, the difference between six three-pointers and 13 three-pointers, you know, that's – I mean, I'm not – a, a loss. That's seven points right there. And, yeah. and, and even going a little bit deeper, I mean, if Baylor shoots 25% from three-point range, there's a lot of teams that can beat them. But, but when they shoot 42% from three-point range, there aren't many that can beat them. Hmm. Yeah, brilliant analysis there. When you make baskets, you're hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> Come back next week for more coaching tips. <laughs> well, then here we are trying to give Kim some coaching tips. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> I it's like when you're watching a baseball game and you're like, why didn't the pitcher throw that double play ball right now? You know, that, that pitch. That's the one we need. <laughs> Forget the curveball. Forget the fastball. Let's throw that 6-4-3 well, pitch. 
one of my sisters, uh, one of my nephew or nieces and nephews, my nep- niece was playing in her junior high basketball game. And my nephew, who's a few years older, was just sitting there watching. And he's a, he's a big basketball fan, likes to play basketball. And he leans over his dad and he said, you know, the thing about girls basketball is they just don't make many of their shots. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that kind of analysis, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah before we get any emails on that one i mean that's just an 11 year old watching the game being frank about it without a lot of you know in-depth understanding of okay this is eighth grade girls basketball so right right you're saying that's pretty much our level of expertise (laughs) yeah yeah that's kind of where we're at (laughs) i think we've had a few missed layups in this podcast (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and with that, I can't remember the other question I was going to ask, but I think that seems like a pretty good place to, we'll save, we'll save some ammo for our, uh, you know, postseason podcast. I mean, that, that, I don't know that that's a real good place to, to stop, but just put it at the bank as one of our 60 that we have to do this month. <laughs> good call. Good call. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>